We're continuing for just a few more weeks in our series, Filled, The Ordinary Life of the Believer. We've been walking mostly through the book of Acts and seeing how it is God's desire to fill us that we might experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And we've looked at what are the preconditions for that, a life of prayer, a life of waiting well. What are those preconditions, those things we need to do to position ourselves to receive His fullness? We've also talked about what, what's, what's that fullness to produce? What's, what's supposed to happen in and through our lives because of the fullness of the Spirit? But also throughout this series, we've talked some about the personhood of the Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. Next week, I had asked him to come Labor Day, but I realized some of y'all take off for Labor Day. So he's going to come next week. Dr. Matt Ayers, president of Wesley Biblical Seminary, he's just written a book called The Holy Spirit, An Introduction. And it's a wonderful book. You can, it's, it's, you, you can consume it and read it. Uh, it's written on a level we can all grow from it. But he's going to come to speak, not just about the personhood and the work of the Spirit, but especially to talk about the attributes of the Spirit, uh, his co-equalness with the Father and the Son, his co-eternality, uh, just the, 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 the attributes of the Spirit that reminds us uh, that he is God. The first person attacked, always in the Holy Trinity, is the Holy Spirit. It, it is in many American religious groups, he is not considered a part of the Trinity. He is not God. And, and maybe that's because it's just like the Spirit, uh, not to defend himself and to speak of himself. All he lives to do is to bring to us Jesus and his grace and his power. And he doesn't really mention himself. So next week, I hope you'll be here as we glory in who the Spirit is and allow Matt to have a time of preaching, but also teaching uh, to grow us in our faith in who the Holy Spirit is. So let's go to chapter 8. We were in chapter 8 last week. We're slowing down a little bit. I've, uh, I've only done one sermon per person, but when I get to people like Stephen and Philip, I'm, I'm glad for us to slow down. These are people, just like Luke's gospel, Luke wrote Acts, people who might have counted themselves out. We've said this for weeks. You can't, if you feel like your life's on the fringe, if you feel like you're not the best of the best, watch out. That's the kind of life that the Lord can work through. He can actually get, get glory from a life like that. And you see it in Stephen and Philip, these Greek-named people. They had been called to roll up their sleeves, let us serve people who have been forgotten, but certainly with their names, they were on the outs a little bit. They were on the fringe from the other Hebrews at the Jews at that time, and that is the kind of life that the Lord can use. People who will just say, whatever I have, Lord, you can have it. Don't count yourself out. Sarah and I went uh, over the weekend to see the new movie, The Hiding Place. Uh, it's a the theatrical production, and they filmed it uh, for the theaters, and uh, very well done. And it's the story, you know the story of Corey Ten Boom. And just to, to watch a normal Christian family, a normal Christian family, some watchmakers in Holland who said, we're going to let the Lord use us despite the risk to hide people. All people are of sacred worth, and we're going to be a part of, of, of opening our home to hide people during World War II. At the end of the film, they let you know the numbers. I think it's over 800 
800 people. There was a cost and a price for that family. If you don't know that story, pick up that book, watch one of the many films. A reminder again of Christian people who said, Lord, what can I do? Lord, would you use our hands and feet? Would you use our home? People who are interruptible and available and watch the Lord shine to the point of even grace, grace for people who had injured them greatly. We see that here with Stephen's life back in Acts chapter 6 and 7. Now in chapter 8, here's Philip, somebody who could have considered himself on the outs, ordinary, and God does extraordinary things through his life. So this morning we're going to key on one thing. What's one thing that Christians need to be about? Now listen, if I had time this morning, I know we talked about witness last week. I'd talk about it more today. Philip is the master evangelist. What do you see here? What do you notice just very quickly in his life? Go home and do a Bible study on Acts 8 and say, Lord, what can I learn about my daily witness through Philip? Some, just, the, just the availability to people. Go up and see him, Philip. And just his availability to take the first step. How nervous is that, by the way? When the Lord puts somebody in front of you and says, hey, would you speak to them about my son? Would you speak to them about their pain? Would you, would you offer a word of grace? Just that first step. But here it is we see in his life uh, with, with Philip just the, to, to, to take the first step. Also to a- answer the questions people have. This, this eunuch is being very specific about his question. He doesn't go off on a tangent. He doesn't go off on his pre-prepared Roman road. He asks, answers the question that was being Ask. I think also, and we noticed this in the Hiding Place movie yesterday, as there was a Bible smuggled into a concentration camp, just driving home asking ourselves, how would I, had I not had that Bible, would I have had enough hidden in my heart to be able to be clear about the gospel uh, with people who wanted to know about Jesus? And here we have him clearly preaching Jesus. And I love this too. It's another good evangelism reminder. He preaches Jesus, not religion, not rules. It's Jesus. And he gets this eunuch to Jesus. Last thing. Do you remember where he went through last week? Where was he going through? Samaria, right? That place that they built a road around. Who wants to go there? So he's open as well. And that's, that's the hard part of evangelism. We're building relationships with people who don't know Jesus Christ. You have to be intentional about that. It doesn't often just drop in your lap like it does here. How can I build relationships with people who are hurting and struggling, maybe even a little bit mean about Christianity, but I'm going to do the work to build that relationship in my neighborhood or at work or my social groups so that I might have the opportunity at some point where they'll ask me a question and say, what does this mean? What do you do when it gets tough? What do you do in a time like this? He goes to Samaria as hard as it is. And by the way, where does he end up today? The last verse. He's preaching all the way to Caesarea. This is the place mama said, what did mama say? Nothing good happens after midnight and don't go to Caesarea. (laughs) Your mama didn't say that? Okay. It's where Pilate lived. It's where the elite lived. It's where there was all kinds of violence for sport, for entertainment, all kinds of perversity for entertainment. And it's so amazing to me how the book of Acts just targets 
Caesarea. God loves the people of Caesarea. God desires that all men come. And so this, this it just beautifully in line, being obedient to God, this is the heart that was in Christ, this is the heart that's going to be in me, that hard work of Samaria, Caesarea, whatever's outside of my comfort zone, you can have that. So Acts 8 is a great, if you want to learn more about how to witness and, and what we see, the models we see in Acts, I know we always go to Paul, Philip. Philip is a great, a great word for us today. But let's, let's just stay with this one theme today. If I were to ask you, a, a Christian is what? A Christian is what? What's the word you throw at me? Someone who what? Real loud. Follows Jesus? Perfect. Soldier for God, okay. Loves God. Repents of their sin, right? Faith in Christ alone for salvation. All these things are great. You know what Paul ends up saying in Romans 8? We go to Romans 8 all the time. It's a good consoling word, a good hopeful word in, in difficult days. But it, it, it struck me when he says, who are the sons? Who are the children of God? Do you know who they are? Those who are led by the Holy Spirit. It's another definition for who are Christians. If you know who's in the family of God, they're the people who follow, are led by, yield their life to, submit to the Lord, the giver of life, as we say in the Nicene Creed, the Holy Spirit. And so you see that model throughout, not just Luke's second book, Acts, we're going to go back to the, to, to the reminder as well, in, in Luke's gospel, this is what's normal. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Holy Trinity, when he comes to the wilderness, he does not come on his own. But it's the Holy Spirit that leads him. Our Savior, fully God, fully man, our Savior, King of all kings, the Holy Spirit says, it's time, go to the wilderness. And Jesus says, yes. The beautiful prototype we get of just an everyday person, a normal person, Simeon. He's filled with the Spirit. The Spirit's on him. The Spirit's working in his life. He's revealing. But that third point we look back in Luke 2, the reminder of Simeon's life, a regular person, he was led. He was led by the Spirit into the, into the temple. That's what's to be normal for a believer, to be led by the Holy Spirit. Paul if you get later into uh, the book of Acts and you watch uh, his life in Acts chapter 16, I wonder the heart and the hope that Paul had for Asia. But it was forbidden by the Spirit for Paul to go to Asia. And Paul says, okay. You get to the next verse. It was forbid, for, forbidden by the Spirit for something else in Paul's life. And Paul says, okay. It is to be normative for a believer to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about that, let's just go ahead and talk about the two extremes, right? So when we talk about that, many of us in this room, me included, are going to push back a little bit on that. And we're going to say, that is, that's a subjective deal. 
I'm just going to live by what the scriptures say. I'm going to bury my head in the scriptures. I'm going to follow Jesus and follow this word. But when you talk about being led by the Holy Spirit, that's too subjective. We could get it wrong. Can I say to you, your interpretation of the Holy Word is a Holy Spirit thing? That you and I won't know the Word of God unless the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and reveals. Anything we do in the faith has got to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. It can't be me or it's going to be messed up. But that's the nervousness. I get it. I just don't want to get off kilter. I don't want to mess up. So I'm just going to. And by the way, that's, that's, we'll come back to this warning too. Some of us can go off the other rail and say, man, I love when the Holy Spirit leads me. And they never check with Holy Scripture. And we've talked about that. We talked about this weeks ago. This is by being in the Word that puts us in a position to receive because we know who the Holy Spirit is. We know how He comes routinely. We know. It's kind of like, what is it, the uh, the Department of Treasury? They 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 don't spend a lot of time studying counterfeit money. They study the real money so that when they bump into something false, they know the difference. And so we always need to be in the Scripture so that we know, boy, I don't know if this leading's right or not. Well, we, we check that with Scriptures, and we check it with other believers. You're going to see in Acts 15 where they will say, it seemed right to the Holy Spirit and to us. The importance of godly counsel. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And you and I know too many people that can't be checked by anybody. I I talk sometimes with preacher friends. They're not in a Sunday school. They're not in a small group. They're not in a band. It's just them. It's like, who coaches you? Who mentors you? Who who speaks into your life? That just can't be. If you're going to lead people, you've got to be somebody who's open to being led. Uh, That goes for all of us. Who's, who's pouring into your life? If not, be intentional about going finding that. Let me know how I can help you get that. We've all got to be grouped. We've all got to have people to check. Is this the Spirit? Do you sense with me? Is it good to the Holy Spirit and to us? This is His will. Those are the two extremes. But boy, we can certainly lean either way. What Paul says, what we see here in Philip's life is, the reality is we are to be led by the Spirit. So if you have our Bibles, we're going to look at two verses that we see this plainly lived out in, 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 in Philip's life. Verse 29, let's start there. We see the Spirit speaking to Philip, and Philip immediately obeys. There are going to be those big decisions in life, family concerns, where we're going to seek, seek the Lord's leading. We're going to check with others. We're going to check Scripture. But Spirit, I hear you. I'm going to pray about that, pray through that. But there are times just on the fly we've got to be ready and, and expectant that the Holy Spirit's going to speak up and say, move. The Holy Spirit's going to say, stop, as you saw in Paul's life. Sarah and I attended uh, the New Room Conference last September in uh, Franklin, and there were some great speakers there. Pete Gregg was preaching on prayer. If you can hear Pete Gregg preach on prayer, you go listen to him. Jessica Legrone, many of you have done her women's Bible studies, uh, was there. She was fantastic. Uh, Jim Cimbala, I quoted him Friday night at our men's uh, ministry fight club, and I quoted him a few weeks ago from his book, Fresh Power, in this series. He was there, and he was kind of the big last speaker that everybody had come to hear. And so there was a missionary speaker who kind of spoke a few minutes before Jim was to speak, and then Jim was the last one to close it out, 
everybody, like I said, people have flown across the country for this, wanted to hear what Jim had to say. Here's what Jim said, and I'm going to paraphrase, it's been a year, so I don't remember exactly, but here's what Jim had to say. He comes up for his talk, here it is. I sense the Holy Spirit has much more to say through this missionary. I'm going to sit down. He sat down. I paid 130 bucks for this conference, whatever it was, to see Jim Cimbala. Quietly, humbly, she got up and shared. One, two, three, four, five, ten, twenty, fifty, a hundred, maybe two hundred people flooded the altar of God. And the Spirit did a marvelous work that day. Healing, freeing, forgiving. Because one person yielded to the leading of the Spirit. How, how, how do you and I, do we believe the Lord will do that? Check it with Scripture, yes. Check it with wise counsel, yes. But to be open to, could the Lord, watching Simeon's life, Paul's life, Jesus' life, Philip's life, just on and on throughout the book of Acts as well. The Holy Spirit coming up to move and to, and to speak. I know I've shared this illustration once before. I only, only share a few illustrations twice in a church, but um, I, I told you w- once before, I was very frustrated one day at church, and, uh, it, and I did a terrible thing. I left the office. I was not going to go home to Sarah. I was not going to go home to pray, but uh, uh, I was going to go carbo load. That's what I was going to do. I was going to eat a bunch of bread and cheese and feel better about my day. So Pizza Hut, was the, they had a buffet, and I was just going to go smash my face because I was just having a hard, and I pulled up. I've never heard the Spirit audibly. Some of you have been gifted with that. I've never heard the Spirit audibly. But the Spirit said in my heart, not here. Have you had the breadsticks and the cinnamon stick? <laughs> I did not say that. Not here, okay? So I drove. And, and this was while I was at New Albany, so it was kind of like the circle around the town. So I said, so I'll just go to this, I love this Mexican place, we'll go there. Pulled in, was getting out of the car, not here. Okay. And I just circled the entire town. And as I'm coming almost to the end of the full circle, I'm driving by the subway. Now here's the deal. I did student ministry for 13 years, which means I'm not, it's nothing against Domino's Pizza. I ate it for 13 years, once or twice a week. So it's taken me a while to reacquire a taste for Domino's Pizza. Well, my children, all three of them love Subway. So that's been the go-to now for 20 plus years. I'm not a big fan, just because of the repetition, not a big fan of Subway. We're driving by the Subway and I'm like, no, no, no. Here. Pulling my car, I stopped my car, pulling the parking lot. It's like, all right, walk in the door. And before I could say, what, what am I doing here, Lord? A woman behind the counter that I had never seen before and have not seen since, who did not know me and I did not know her. A staff member at Subway looked up and said, you're a pastor and I need you to pray for me. And we shut the whole Subway down. We stopped the line. I went in the back bunch of her friends working there and we just prayed and prayed and prayed 
I get it wrong all the time. I look back at the end of my days so often and go, how did I miss you? That was you speaking, and I didn't yield to that. I didn't submit to that. I didn't think I was worthy of that. That couldn't be you in my life. He speaks, and he leads. And church, we need to be open to that. Philip could have counted himself out. Stephen could have counted himself out. I'm second rate. I'm not the best of the best. But it's just like God to come and to speak. He does that here In verse 29, he speaks, and Philip is so quick, so quick uh, to respond. And then dropping down to verse 39, and then we're done. This other example, too, of leading, being led by the Holy Spirit when maybe it's not the answer that we want, or maybe it's, it's a heartbreak, but whatever he has called us to do, that's all we want. All we ultimately want is to be in the very center of God's will. And that's what the Spirit comes to to do. He only speaks what he hears the Father saying. And he's going to only come to us to, to give to us the very heart and the will of God. You see it here. Philip and the eunuch, this, this glorious moment, and what happens right after? The Holy Spirit snatches up Philip. Philip's got to go. Now listen, this is like an intercontinental shaking that's happening in the kingdom of God right here, what's about to happen. That somebody's gone up to Jerusalem and has now become a Christian and is on their way home. This is crazy what can happen in the explosion of the church right now. I have got to stay with this guy. I've got to disciple him. I've got to make sure this seed is watered and cared for because if we get this right, there's no telling what the Lord can do. This is a young, fragile believer, and I've got to disciple him. The Spirit says, go. And it's almost to the point, we were joking about this, one of the college students and I who had read this passage earlier, it's almost like this is teleportation. It's like he's gone. It's one of the hardest things about being a preacher. There's, a, there's a, so many blessings and privileges. But when pastors leave, because some of us, preachers are the worst, but some, some of us don't leave well. We just don't. We call back. We interfere And because of that, it's been right throughout all forms of Methodism to say, listen, when when a pastor leaves, we need to to be careful to have a break. Friendship's fine, but that pastoral role, that's really in some ways has got a break because people have, have, have abused that. And let me just tell you, that is a heartbreak for me. To walk with you guys for this many years, the way so many of you have loved my family, the way so many of you have, have supported ministry here is the things that the Lord's allowed us uh, to do together. And when the Spirit says it's time to go, that is a hard, hard thing. I understand why we have to be clean and careful with that break. I get it. That's tough. Philip is gone, and he's going all the way to, to Caesarea. I, ju- I just love his freedom, and his commitment to yield. That had to be a hard thing. This is is my 
child in the faith. God, you just, you just let me be a part. Again, reminder for evangelism, this wasn't the first touch for this eunuch. He's had scripture. He's gone to Jerusalem to worship. Many times we just get to be one of the touches, and we just need to be faithful in our touch and let the Lord use it. And when it, if, if it requires no further discipleship, I just let the Lord have it. I trust the Lord. Whatever the Lord is calling you to do, whatever decisions he's called you to make in your family or, or in your vocation or in your community, wherever that is, it can be tough. There can be no's. There can be moves. But whatever he says... It's got to be his will, or as Dennis Kinlaw says, the great enemies of the Holy Spirit are self-will and self-interest. Is there something you're holding on to today that it's yours? The Lord cannot come and fill those places in our hearts that we will not open to him. He just can't, he can't do it. He won't do it. Let me put it that way. He won't do it. But he wants you to be full of his spirit. There are places in your life where we need to hear this word like Philip and say, Lord, wherever you lead, I will go. What are those things you're struggling with? I'd love to pray with you about that. Maybe you pray as we sing this closing hymn, Trust and Obey. Maybe you come to this altar rail and say, Lord, I'm releasing that today. I'm going to be a son and daughter of God, one who is led by the Holy Spirit. It's hymn 334, I believe. Yeah. Let's stand together as we respond and as we sing.